Thank you all for coming to hear the Lord. I'm just a vehicle that God will use. And I get a lot of comfort when I read the Old Testament that God used a donkey. So God, is, God can use any kind of thing. So you're going to save hearts. I, I feel some strange kind of tech man. You can't hear me. <laughs> yeah, a little feedback kind of thing. But anyway, the message is die so you can live. Do I have it up there somewhere? Kathy, did I tell you that? Maybe I didn't. That's the title of the message. Die so you can live. Sounds kind of scary. Yeah, <laughs> but it's, it, is, it, is, it is of God. Jesus preached that, said unless... Unless you take up your cross and follow him, you cannot really be his disciple. But before we do that, maybe I better pray. That would be a good thing. Father, in the name of Jesus, I thank you, Lord, again for the privilege that you have, you have given me today to stand at this holy ground and, and proclaim your word. And I thank you, Lord, that you are well able to use this vehicle. You know, Lord, my, my weaknesses and everything that can get in the way. And I pray, Lord, that you would reduce it and you would come through. Because that's what you plan to do tonight. I give you all the glory and all the honor. And I welcome you, Lord. Have your way in this service. In Jesus' name. Amen. So before I get into my message here, the scripture is from Revelation chapter 12. It's about the last days. I'm a last days preacher. I believe that we are in the last of the last days. Jesus Christ said, from the time Jesus Christ came and resurrected, it was the last day. Paul started last, writing about the last day, 2,000 years ago. So if it was the last days, 2,000 years ago, it must really be the last days today. So Jesus is closer, 2,000 years closer than he was then. And there's some scriptures you read in Paul writing and telling people to prepare. In fact, in 2 Thessalonians, they thought he had already come back. It, that's how close they were expecting it. So the expectation of the return of the Lord is a reasonable thing. You don't have to be a weirdo prophet to, to, to I, I'm not naming a date, but he, was, he is closer to coming than he was yesterday. It's just that reasonable than he was last year. And we have signs that, that God has given us. One, of course, the most obvious signs is the nation of Israel. The coming back of the Jewish people in 1948 to the nation, gathered back together, is a fulfillment of scripture. Jeremiah and a lot of other scripture where the Lord said he would gather them in the last days. That's 70 years ago when the Jews came back. And then 1967, he got back Jerusalem into, his, into the Jewish huts where their temple is going to be built and all that. So this is even history. This is the last days. It's a fulfillment of prophecy. So in the last days, let's have that revelations. 12. Let's do that. Let's do Revelation 12. Yeah. I'm going to have to read it from my phone. <laughs> I'm a little challenged there. Yeah. That's my long distance glasses. And you got it up? Okay. Come on, phone. Hurry up. We don't have all night. Eh? Revelations chapter 12. We are almost there. I'm not stalling for time. Don't worry. <laughs> I'll, I'll speed up. I'm, I'm, I'm famous for speed. <laughs> I'm trying to slow down. So. Okay, and a war broke out in heaven. That's verse what? 
That verse 7, help me out, Kathy. Verse 7, and war broke out in heaven. Michael and his angels fought with the dragon, and the dragon, that is Satan, and his angels fought, but they did not prevail, nor was a place found for them in heaven any longer. So the great dragon was cast out, that, that serpent of wood called the devil, and Satan, who, who deceives the whole world. He was cast to the earth, and his angels were cast out with him. Then I heard a loud voice saying in heaven, Now salvation and strength and the kingdom of our God and the power of his Christ has come. For the accuser of our brethren, who accused them before our God day and night, has been cast down. And they, they is us, the believers, overcame him. If I can get back there. And they overcame him by the blood of the Lamb and the word of their testimony. And they did not love their lives to the death. Therefore rejoice, O heavens, and you who dwell in them. Woe to the inhabitants of the earth and the sea, for the devil has come down to you, having great wrath, because he knows his days are shortened. He has a short time. So the main scripture there is, and they overcame. We are familiar with this. They, we, overcame him by the blood of the Lamb and the word of their testimony, and they did not love their lives even unto death. We know about the blood of the Lamb. We, we know we have been taught the blood of the Lamb. Jesus Christ died. His blood is the perfect blood. Devil can't cross that line. If you plead the blood of Jesus over your family, over yourself, over whatever is under your responsibility, the devil cannot cross that line. It is the blood of Jesus. But the trouble we have, and of course we know about the, the word of our testimony. We are confessing church. We confess the word of God. What God says, when you say it, there is power to it. Jesus Christ said that his words are spirit and they are life. So when you repeat what Jesus has said, it is spirit and it's life. It's a mystery, but it's truth. That you're speaking the words of God, the same Jesus who spoke the words into existence. If you speak what he speaks, then it has life in it. You, you, you are participating. You are the mouth of God. So we have those tools that are guaranteed because they are guaranteed all the blood of Jesus, who is perfect, the word of his testimony, which is perfect, the trouble we get is this thing, they did not love their lives even unto death. I'm not going to be asking you to die soon, literally die. I don't have a gun on me, so you're all safe. But <laughs> this, we are familiar with dying to self, dying to the flesh. But, and, and this is something we have taught, we have been taught. But to overcome in the last days, we are going to have to step back up a little. I started last Saturday talking about how Jesus Christ was talking to a gentleman who came to him and said, hey, tell my brother to give me my inheritance. Because he's like another brother. He's, he's, he, they were given the, 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 the trusteeship of the property, and he will not give his younger brother. And, and it would seem reasonable that, that he would ask for somebody to get his brother. Get my brother for me. It's our inheritance. That is gone. But he's holding on to it. But Jesus called it covetousness. He said, beware of covetousness. Yeah, I am not your, I'm not here to decide, to decide between you and your brother. Something to that effect. And I explained that the, the, the issue is not that the money is wrong or, or the inheritance, he's not entitled to it. The issue was this gentleman has an opportunity to talk with the king of kings. God had come down in person. A privilege most human beings do not have. Where God walks in the flesh and stands before you, and, and you chat with him face to face. We talk to him through the Holy Spirit, but it would be sure nice to, to have him face to face, which is what this gentleman had. 
But this thing of the inheritance, which is a right thing, is a, it, it, it's a legitimate claim, was getting in the way of a more important business, which was to do business with God. God coming down to your house has some business he wants to do with you. So the nice thing to, be, to ask him would be, Lord, what can I, what can I do for you? What, what, welcome, Lord, and, and talk to him and hear what is on his heart. Because he loves you, he's the creator, he's smarter than you, he knows the head from the beginning, and there was something he would have wanted to communicate to this young man, but the, he, this thing that is a legitimate thing, it's a, it was getting in the way. So this is what the, the heart really of the message the Lord has for, that, for me to communicate. That the real battle in the last days for good believing people like us will not be you being tempted to go and kill your neighbor because you won't do it, you good people, you know, don't kill your neighbor. The Bible says don't do it. You won't be tempted to go do some obvious sin, steal, rob a bank. It will be a good thing. A lot, it's a saying that the enemy of God is not really the bad, it is the good. Because the God thing is the thing you're supposed to be doing, but these are the good thing that, that is taking your attention away from God. So the, the, that thing that is your right, you'll have to give it up to do battle for yourself and especially for your children and your grandchildren. Because the enemy is really after the next generation. He knows he probably cannot get the people who are mature now. You know the way, you know the truth, but you have children behind you you have teenagers behind you who already think you're a little weird and you're not very smart and you're a bit of a hypocrite and the devil is going to use that, right? Yeah? And you have grandchildren who, who believe you, but they also see a little thing that you do at the side. Those are the people he's after because he wants to fill hell with them. If he can't get you, he's going to use you to get the generation behind you. And for their sake, the Lord is saying, die. Die completely. Give up your rights. And then fight. This is how you're going to overcome. And, and, and because you're going to give up your rights. If you have no rights, then there's nothing the enemy can throw at you. Because he takes what is rightfully yours, and you're not fighting. You're just letting it go. Because you're focused on the fact that you're taking your children, your grandchildren, whatever, people who are under your care, with you to heaven. This is what the last days is about. It's about taking folks with us to heaven. And the devil wants to take the maximum number of folks with him to hell. Because once Jesus comes back, the gate is closed. You cannot change your mind. It is too late. And then we have millions of years after that. And it is real. It is not some metaphorical thing where you sit and play a guitar or a harp. It is a real life. It is more real than this world that we are living. Yeah. And the suffering is real. And the joys in heaven are real. But the difference is here in this life, we, have, we can change your mind anytime. You're going off doing the wrong thing, whatever you want to do, like a prodigal son, you change your mind, God comes for you. You're forgiven. The Bible says, if you confess your sins, you're, he is faithful and just to forgive you and cleanse you from all unrighteousness. All sin he forgives. The only one, of course, is if you cast at the Holy Spirit, which most people would not do. You'd have to be off your mind to go shaking your fist at God. But every other sin, killing, doing whatever, you repent, God forgives you. But that is the season of grace that we are in that will be shut down.
when Jesus shows up. And he's showing up, maybe not next week, but maybe next week. You know? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. If he did, would you, would, you would want to take the maximum number of people with you. So this is really the heart of the message. That you die to what is rightfully yours so that you can rescue what is more important. And for example, you'll see back in the garden, at the Garden of Eden, Adam and Eve in a perfect world, protected by the presence of God. Don't know nothing about evil. The devil cannot hurt them, except he can trick them to walk out of the goodness of God, to walk out of the garden. The devil, like I said, cannot cross the bloodline. If God says, devil, you can't cross this line, he cannot cross, right? He knows God, and he, he doesn't mess with God. But you, you're inside your house, and God has put a line like Adam had. But devil across the line, it's, he, the, the Bible says, I think it's Second Peter or whatever, somewhere in the Bible, that he's walking around like a rolling lion, looking who he may devour. Most of the times, he doesn't devour you. He really is a defined lion. What he does is he gets you out of the Garden of Eden. Then your sin devours you. The consequences of your sin devours you. That's his main weapon. He's a deceiver. So this is, this is what happened in the garden. The, the Adam is there. He has, they are having the best time of their lives. No, no sickness, no whatever. And then he comes and talks to them about this thing that he convinces them that they ought to have. This tree that is here, why, why, why? If God is so good, why can't you have this tree? And, and, and it's in the garden. And it's, you know, <laughs> right. And that, that convincing walks them out of the garden. You read over there in chapter 3 of Genesis that God pushes them out of the garden, puts a guard there with a sword, and out there is hard. You're going to have to sweat. There is thorns out there and, and a lot of suffering. But the devil did not bite them. The devil did not devour them like a lion. He talked them out of it. Then we have another gentleman, if you read the book of Numbers, chapter 22, over about there, called Balaam, a prophet. He was not a Jewish man, but he was a prophet. He could hear God. And the people in the neighborhood, in the nations, they knew he could hear God. So when the Jews came along, the, the Moabites decided, ah, we need to hire this prophet who hears from God to cast the people. He tries. It doesn't work. But you know what he does? He teaches them how to get God to get them. He told, okay, I cannot pronounce a curse over you. God will not let me. Because he has put the bloodline. You cannot cast God's people. In fact, he says, I cannot cast what God has not cast. Yeah. However hard he tries. He would even try and it wouldn't work. But he went around and taught, showed them, here's what you can do. You can get these people to worship an idol. And once they worship an idol, the very God that was protected them will get them. Very easy. So he went and got the young women and all that. But the main thing is he got God. He got them out of the bloodline. This is what is, is the warfare that we are going to be facing when he says the devil has come, come, come down like a rolling lion because his, name, his time is short. What is time about? What is he fighting about? He's not fighting about his destiny. That's decided. He's going to hell. That's decided. He has no grace allowed to him. What he is fighting for is for you, and probably not you, because you, you, you're decided it's for the people who are standing on the line, yeah. people who are looking up to you, 
and, and that's the people he's after. So let's, let's get some more scripture. So that's, that's the, the point that he, he, he can get you across the line. And the tool he will use is not the evil that you cannot do if you're in your right mind. So I said that, so I got to read some more scripture. Let's see another gentleman that I had in my scripture. Judas, although I haven't given you the scripture, Judas was one of the, I haven't given it to you, was one of the disciples of Jesus Christ, chosen again, a privilege to be among the 12 people that would walk with the Lord. A privilege beyond measure. And he walks with God, and, 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 and what does the, the enemy do? He talks him, he has this hook. He had something about money. Which is not hard to get. Money is nice. I like to have money. But <laughs> he had something about money. And Jesus gave him an opportunity to, to repent. I believe that's why the Lord gave him the money bucket. So that he can deal with that issue quickly. Because if he didn't, it was going to destroy him. But eventually, what does he do? He goes, the money, he, he, he sees that Jesus is not going to be king. So he's disappointed. So he's going to sell, try and take a cut when he can goes to the high priests and stepped across as long as he was under Jesus' care. He couldn't be touched. And Jesus told him, the one who takes this bread is the one who will betray me. An opportunity, again, to back away from the edge. But the enemy pulled him with that little hook that he had, and off he went, straight into hell. From the hands of Jesus Christ, straight into suicide and into hell. So that's the warfare. When you hear the devil is fighting, he doesn't come and, and shoot you with a gun. He doesn't come and, and bite you. Even diseases and things like those he throws at you really cannot harm your salvation. He can harm your body, but the thing that he really is after is for you to step across the line because you are the one in the house. It's like my house. It's all nice and locked, but I have the key. I can walk out anytime. I can open for the, for the robber, if I want to, I can go out and freeze in a cold if I want to. Probably not. <laughs> so this is, this is the message of the word of the Lord, therefore, says, die, therefore. The only guarantee that you cannot, you cannot be tempted to cross the line is if you're dead. If you went over to one of those graveyards and did all kinds of temptations, you know, ran coins over the graveyard, did the kind of thing that you'd want to do, there will be no response because they are dead. That's, so that's what it means, that you have given up what is legitimately yours. So let's go to Matthew and press that point home. Matthew chapter 6. Am I slowing down? <laughs> no? oh, help me, Lord. Somewhat? Yeah, okay. Matthew chapter 16. You got it up there? Did I say 16? <coughs> if anyone wishes to come after me. Nah. The one that says, then Jesus said to his disciples, 1624? 1624. 
16.24. I'll read it for you. Then Jesus said to his disciples, If anyone wishes to come after me, he must deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. For whoever wishes to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. For what profit, what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and forfeits his soul? Or what will a man give in exchange for his soul? For the Son of Man is going to come in the glory of his Father with his angels and will then repay every man according to his deeds. So this is Jesus telling his disciples, if anyone wishes to come after him, must deny yourself, take up your cross, and follow me. For whoever wishes to save his life will lose it. But if you lose your, your life for his sake, you will gain it. It seems counter. It seems even kind of heavy. But the resurrected life is actually better. Yeah. I have walked it, and I know it better. Yeah. That it is a whole lot better. I remember back yonder, a long time ago, when I was newly married, that for the, for the first number of years in our lives, I, 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 I could be quite a cranky husband, I was. She's not here. <laughs> that may be an understatement, right? Yeah. Because sometimes I would think she's slowing us down. We, we have this vision and dreams that we need to do, and, and, and she's not getting it. And, and I'm getting all, 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 all frustrated and what have you. And so at some point, actually right here in Lafayette, going to school at Purdue University, this, this teaching came to me that you really cannot have a good marriage until you're dead. <laughs> you will not have a successful relationship, really, until you're dead. Because by, by nature of things, you tend to marry the person who is opposite to you. If, they, if I had Pastor Pam say how, how, how she's a rule keeper, and he, he, that's like me and my wife. If something is due, like we're supposed to be in church at 10, I'll be here at 9.30, and she'll be here at 10 plus a few seconds, you know? <laughs> yeah, she'll, yeah, she'll be here a few. So you, you, you get attracted to somebody who is opposite to you. And at the beginning, that's all nice and good. But after a few, five or so years, it starts to irritate you, you know? <laughs> yeah. It starts to get a little irritating. Like my wife gets irritated about my dressing. When we met, she thought it's kind of cool. But I, I wasn't too picky about dressing. But now she gets really annoyed with me on Sunday mornings. Are you going to wear that shirt? And I've bought you all this? <laughs> Why would you wear one shirt twice? Yeah, I bought you all these shirts. I will do the laundry for you. <laughs> it gets really annoying for her. So the Lord showed me that until you're dead, really, you cannot have a healthy relationship. So I tried it. And, one of, and I probably talked about it before here. One of the areas I started was money. Because of my nature of being rule-keeping and what have you, and also some insecurity coming from my childhood, if a bill is due next month and the bill arrives today, I want it paid today. I don't want any hanging bills around the house. I get all nervous if they are unpaid bills. Uh, but my wife, of course, will pay it at midnight on the day it's due. <laughs> <laughs> oh, poor lady. <laughs> yeah. She's not here to defend herself, okay? So the Lord showed me, of course, first is the insecurity. Are you working from insecurity? You just watch her. It will be paid. Don't, just don't get all frustrated, okay? 
So uh, uh, give her control of the money. Don't be so controlling. Let, let, let her lose it. Let her waste it and see what will happen. Yeah. So uh, unwillingly, with, with nervousness, that she's gonna, we're going to lose everything. <laughs> yeah. I, I let her have a go at it. And I was shocked. She's more frugal than I am. She just has a really weird bookkeeping system. She's, she's more frugal than I am. She'll save more money. She works harder. She's not here. She's working. She, she's more concerned about our future. It's just that her approach, I cannot make sense of it. <laughs> but until I let go, that could very well have driven us to divorce. Because I was getting really oh, frustrated about it. This is what is going, the Lord is asking you, really. It's not really rocket science. And you know, like in marriages, I had the fact the Lord saying, marriages are going to be one of the biggest battlefronts of the Lord. He's going to bring that thing about your husband or your, or your wife that really irritates you and, and going to crank that up. He's going to hear that thing about your spouse that really gets to you. You're going to crank it up. And if you're not dead yet and you've been married for 40 years, please hurry up. Because she, she is not changing. <laughs> if she hasn't changed the last 40 years, give up, okay? Die quickly. <laughs> and, and get it over with, okay? <laughs> yeah. All the children, that your children are going to do stuff, the, the, the enemy will crank that up. The things that really just get you, get at you. And if you are not dead, that is going to be the thing that is going to cause you to kick your kids right into the hands of the devil. Because it's your way or the highway. And your way may be right. And you do have authority in your house to say what goes or what does not go. But what the Lord is asking you is raise the standard that you are fighting for eternity. Cut some slack. You suffer the inconvenience for some time and, and give some, some room. That's what it means, die. It doesn't mean you don't discipline, you don't do what is right, but don't, it's not your way or the highway. The devil is down here trying to take your kids with him to hell. And he, that's why they are all, ah, yeah, they, they are to get you almost. Okay? So what else do I want to say? I'm pressing this point home because this is the warfare. They, they, when people talk about spiritual warfare, you'll hear, you know, go, let's buy it. No, no. The devil is no danger to you if you stay inside the bloodline. Absolutely. That, it is guarded by the blood of Jesus. It is guarded by the angels of God. It is guarded by the word of God. God will do what he promised. But God has given us a free will. And that's the biggest gift he gave us, but that's also the most dangerous thing he gave us. Because anytime you can walk away, anytime you can choose to disobey him, anytime you can choose to have your way. But if you see the successful people in the Bible and in contemporary times, Christianity, they, 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 they died for themselves. One of the two, their own needs. And, and, and one, of, one of them I have here is Paul. Now I start with Jesus. Jesus, we know about it. It says in Philippians that although he is God, let's put that up. Since I, do I have it in my thing? Philippians 2, somewhere towards the end. 
Oh, it's up there already. She's faster than me. Let's roll down to where it is. He gave up. He gave up. Go down a few verses. My notes are all mixed up. It's good. It slows me down. Okay, let's this one. Let this might be new, which was also in Jesus Christ. Who, being in the form of God, not just even in the form, he is God, did not consider it robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, taking the form of a bond servant and coming in the likeness of a man. You can, you can stop there. That, that Jesus is our example. That as it says here, he is God. And he can stay in his office up there and, and run things here from, from heaven. He didn't have to come here and walk around and do all that stupid stuff that he had to do. Oh, Jesus arguing? The part that really gets me is people spitting in his face. I can take all other things, but God standing there and humans spitting in his face? That, that is what it means to die. Why? Because he wanted to rescue us. But he could have, it was his right, it, he had no sin, so he did not have to take any of that nonsense. At the garden, he had the choice. His prayer, Lord, I don't like this. Is there another way? Please take it away. But at the end, he said, not, not my way, but your way. It was his rightful thing not to be crucified. He doesn't have to be crucified. He hasn't seen. He is God. But for him to rescue his creation, he had to die to himself, to die to his office, to die to his rights, to get us. Another one that we have is Paul. I don't know whether I put that one up. Yeah, First Corinthians 9, chapter 3. Yeah, she got it. She, she's on the roll here. This is, this is my defense to those who sit in judgment. My defense to those who examine me is this, he says. Next. Do we have, do we have no right to eat and drink? Next. Do we have no right to take along a, a believing wife, as do also the other apostles, the brothers of the Lord, and Cephas? Is it only Barnabas and I who have, who have no right to refrain from walking? Go on then to the last part there, where he says, but we did not. Skip all the way to verse 12. Okay. Nevertheless, middle of the verse, we have not used this right, but endure all things, lest we hinder the gospel of Jesus Christ. That Paul had a right to be supported like everybody else. He had a right to have a wife like everybody else. God had not even asked him not to do that. The other apostles were married, but he and Barnabas, because of their unique calling to take the gospel to the Gentiles, to be on the road all the time, couldn't do that. He could, it was not practical, to, so he, he, he accepted that sacrifice to not be married. And when he went to the Gentiles, especially to Corinthians, they misunderstood him to be in it for the money. That he's preaching this because there are other people doing stuff, religious stuff for the money. So he chose to work. In some places, Paul would not take an offering. He chose to work as a tent maker. Why? He chose to die for himself because he, has, he had us in mind. The gospel would not get to Europe and then to the rest of the world if Paul did not 
laid down his life and his rights. He had the right to be supported. He had the right to have a family, but he gave that up. And was there a benefit for him? Of course there was. You, you read him writing letters out of jail, telling us to be joyful because he was so joyful, because he had fulfilled the call. He had run the course. He, he knew he had fulfilled his destiny. We benefit from it, but he himself benefits also. And there's a crown of glory awaiting him. But just fulfilling, having a fulfilling life. So in dying, you learn from Paul, you actually end up fulfilling your life. You have a better life not trying to fight for your rights. That I could stay there fighting with my wife over a few thousand dollars and ruin our marriage, or I could give that up and have the wonderful marriage that we have now. And it turns out that, in fact, she was going to work harder than me. Except I needed to take that step of dying. So this is, this is really the message that I'm, I'm pressing home. And the ultimate victory, if you are going to be a victorious believer, is not that you'll have everything that you want, that you'll have the things you want your way. God is not mean-spirited. He does give good things. I am a testimony to that. I am educated, born in Kenya, off in the middle of nowhere. Like It looks like yay where I was born, except there was no war. Out in the bush, where I was born, owning a bicycle was considered wealth. You had to, yeah, the teacher had a bicycle, and it was our privilege. He was my neighbor. I would ride it home. It was considered a privilege that the teacher would ask you to ride his bike home because it was uphill, of course. You pushed it most of the way, but you had the teacher's bike. <laughs> so, <laughs> so you had a privileged kid. Then he would ride downhill to school the next morning. But here I am in West Lafayette. Along, this is not West Lafayette. This is Lafayette, Indiana, not West Lafayette, Indiana. But in 1991, I was brought into the United States of America by the United States government on a full ride scholarship, at least for the first two years. And I was not even looking for it. I was looking like other Kenyans to go to England, because that's what we knew. We had come out of British whatever colony in 1963. I was born in a British colony. So there was a lot of foreign aid. You could run to England, get yourself an extra certificate come back waving an, a certificate from England, and you could ride up the corporate ladder. That was my dream. Like every other kid, I was going to go to London, get me a certificate. doesn't even matter what it is. It just has to have England. And then I would present it, get me a job. But a colleague of mine, a, a fellow worker fellow, where we were working in a glass factory, had been trying to try this American thing. And he's the one who came and told me to try it. Try this thing. You might actually get it. I've been trying for the last three years, but I can't get it. But I think you do qualify because of the nature of your job, blah, blah, blah. First time. I did not even try part of it is because the advertisement was not, uh, there's a whole list of things to do, everything on the board there. And over there, back then in Kenya, things were a little slippery. You have to know somebody who knows somebody. But the Americans advertised it like, you know, and you write to this post office box, and if you meet the, the following conditions, you're accepted. And I wouldn't apply because I thought they haven't given any names of the people you need to know so that I can go find people who know these people. So, but he told me he had traveled a bit. He told, no, 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 these Americans are straight. If they put it like that, you'll get it. So I applied. My, my point is, I wasn't even trying. 
really. But God, I believe it was God. I wasn't even praying for that. God provided that supernaturally. I know why he did that, because he has called me to be a preacher. And I, was, and I needed to come to Purdue University to learn the Bible. This is a strange thing to say, but that's, that's what God had in mind. I needed to come to Purdue University, take an engineering degree for me to learn the Bible. It's a strange way, but God has strange ways of working. Like he taught Moses by taking him to be a shepherd out there in the back of the desert. That's how he learned how to lead a nation. So in my case, I needed to come and, and, and study a lot of engineering, but it had nothing to do really with my calling. I'm calling, I'm called to be a preacher. It is in my DNA, but I could But my point was, God is not out to get and get things out of you. But you need to trust your loving father that he has a good plan for you so that you stop fighting the food fight. He has a really big plan for you, but the devil will get you distracted in the food fight here. They're about the things that seem really important right now but they are really not in view of eternity. They are really not, if at, at, you know, coming to the United States of America was beyond my wildest dreams. I was not even trying it. I was doing the thing I knew to do that everybody in my neighborhood was doing. So you will be caught trying to do whatever it is that the TV people tell you you need to have. That is just not smart at all because they are out to get you really. They are just out to keep you spinning in debt all the time. That you got to have this new thing that has this other new bell and whistle, really, if you have the money to buy it, sure, but to go in debt so you can get this new gadget when you can't use the old one, that sounds really smart. <laughs> yeah, that's, that, that's my soapbox. I'll get on that, that soapbox. Thank you, Jesus. So die to what? I have said that over and over again. Die to your legitimate rights. It is not dead if you are giving him something that is not yours, right? You are not giving up anything. If it was not yours in the first place, die to a legitimate right. Jesus has taught us by saying, not my will, but yours. And there is faith in it that our God is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all we can ask or imagine. And I felt very strongly, like I'm repeating again, that the family is going to be one of the biggest battlefields that uh, people are going to have to, to, to die. And don't bail out. For goodness sake, die. It's uncomfortable. Your spouse is a jerk, if I may use the term. <laughs> yeah. But for the sake of the children, stay in. There is eternity at stake. And you young man, don't do drugs. It is so dumb. Just because pressure is mounting on you, then the enemy will pull you to do drugs and, and other stupid things. Yeah. What is he after? Not just to destroy your life here or not, but to take you to eternity, to, to suffer forever. Don't, I know that there's pressure for young people. I have been young sometimes. Boy, I'm no longer young. That the peer pressure thing is, is real when you're young, but run away from it. Yeah. This is not the time to impress your, your fellow kids. What do they know? There are kids like you. They are following whatever is the speeding, speeding at that time, and the devil is speeding you. So young people, don't do that stuff they are telling you. Don't claim to be a woman if you are born a man. That's just so dumb. You have to have a PhD. <laughs> you have to go to Purdue to, to get that confused, right? Yeah. You're born. What are you born, right? If you don't know, ask your mother. She'll tell you. <laughs> She'll tell you. 
But, but there's all kinds of stupid things that, that the devil is coming up with. Right. And he will get you to spend money to change your natural creation and then live without consequences of that for the rest of your life. And ultimately, he's trying to pull you away because then you'll come to church and you'll preach against that and you'll get offended and, and, and swing out of church and you're gone. So there's destiny, there's eternity at stake. It sounds heavy, but it is from a loving father. It is from a loving father. If you, a loving father will not give their kids whatever they want. That's a lazy father. They are a father that does not draw lines and tell you if you do this, if you hang out with this crowd, it's not going to go well. And at some point you draw the line, you say, no, you cannot do that. In my house, as long as you live in my, you, a father that does not draw lines is not a father. God is a good father. Yes. He's not a nice father. He's not a lazy father. I'm an uncle to some kids. And of course, since I'm not the father, I tend to be a little lazy. I have a niece that I'm going to have to sit down when I go to Kenya. Yeah, I'm kind of the acting father, single mom. Is, is, is my sister is a single mom. And I kind of take um, this father figure in her family, but in, in her life. But I'm like, ah, whatever you want. Now it's gone too far. <laughs> the last few months, I'm thinking, when I get to Kenya, I'm going to have to do some father, real father talk. And it feels uncomfortable. But that's, if I, really, if she was living with me and if she was my daughter, probably I would have drawn the line a lot earlier. Because a good father is not the one who says, oh, sure, you can do that. Why, why not? Yeah, one time. Yeah. So God is a good father. And it is that heart of a good father that is saying to his children, and you are his children, this group of people gathered here and others gathered in other churches are God's special people. Out of the 150,000 people in this county, there are maybe 1,000 or so people gathering today. You are God's special people. He wants to protect you. He has shed his blood. He has given you his word. And you know his word. But now he's asking you to step it up. Because you being God's special people are also the devil's special targets. The devil has no trouble with somebody who's already lost. They are later in his camp. He doesn't waste time on that. But he's going to be targeting you, because you're God's special, not you, Sandy. You're the church. <laughs> because you're God's special people. He wants to try and steal as much as he can from God. So this is the plea from your preacher man from Africa, before he goes to Africa. Die! <laughs> so you can live. <laughs> Die! So you can live. And really, my, my, my message is, is, I think I've communicated it, and, and what I will be praying is for the grace to die. Because it takes grace. For you, for you, you know what God is asking you to die to. That thing that somebody has, you've, you have wanted this, this thing to happen for a long time. We have things. I have the, my other example you all know about, children. I'm going to be turning 60, I should be talking about grandchildren, but we don't have kids. And, and that could be one big thing that I could have kicked up a fight about. I'm an African man. I have some t rights. We don't have women's rights over there. You're allowed two or three wives if you choose. Right. Yeah, yeah, that's why they have problems, yeah. 
And my wife would probably cooperate because she's an African too. But for the sake of the gospel, for the sake of the calling of my life, for the sake of my wife, for the sake of the marriage, for the sake of what I know about the kingdom of God, I die to that. And once I die to it, God gives me other children. We have a lot of children in, 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 from her side and from my, my side that need parents. Some of the parents are all lazy parents, gone. Others are single moms and whatever. We have a whole bunch of children that look up to us. And, and since we have the resources and we don't have our own children, we can do that. So God, God shows me that there is a way. It, it, I haven't lost really anything. But if I had decided to follow the path that an African man is expected to do, I'm the man of the house. I need kids. You get them all. <laughs> right. I could have wrecked a really good marriage because Perpetua is a very good wife to me. Right. She is specially created for my sake. It is through her that I have come actually to learn the gospel. She's not as out talking like I do. I'm the guy with the big face and big mouth, but she has she's the one with the depth. She's 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 the power really behind the throne. I would have lost that if I had looked at the surface of it. Because I needed to die to that. So what is God asking you to die to? What is it that you are holding on to that you won't follow Jesus all the way? Because maybe even Jesus hasn't given it to you. There's something you would have wanted God to do for you and it's not done yet. And you have been a faithful servant and serving and it's not here yet. God is asking you to die to that not because he's mean-spirited, but in fact, because the resurrection life is better. That he has something for you. He has eternity for you. He has a big work for you to do. He has a big blessing for you to do. But this thing you're holding on to, he cannot put anything into your hands. And it is rightfully yours. But he says, give it up as he gave it up for you. And as you give it up, you will live. He said, he who seeks to save his life will lose it. But he who loses his life for the gospel's sake, for his sake, will gain it. And I tell you, God will give you things abundantly above all you can ask or imagine. But let it be on his terms, please. He's a good father. Let it, he doesn't want you suffering. He's not mean-spirited. But he, you have to trust that this good father's terms are good times. Just like you tell your children sometimes, no, you cannot have that. You cannot drive yet because I know what will happen. Yeah, you're a little flaky right now, <laughs> right? You, you tell your, your kids that. So this is my message today. It seems a little hard, but it's a loving message. Give up what you need to give up. Each one of you know what it is. Die to that and come to the Father and say, Father, I want my life on your terms. I trust you. You are a good father. And I believe that we are on the verge of revival at the Victory Christian Center. We are on the verge of filling this church and going over to that church that the mayor has not heard from God yet, but he's going to hear. Yeah. And we're going to feel that too because of the glory of God, because of the presence of the Lord, because we will have died and allowed the resurrection life of God to flow in our lives. And now, if you have not crossed that line and received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior,
this thing is real. I know there's a lot of, as, uh, there's a bit of, the U.S. is a little like Kenya. I grew up in a, Christi in a Christian, no, it's not in quotes, it's a Christian home. My mother, my grandmother were all Christians. But the culture was, was a little religious. People went to church and did what they did. But when it came to things that really matter, you paid your bribe. Who you knew is what mattered. Or how much money you had to give. Or your last name is what mattered. So it is kind of confusing. And school was also really important. And my father and everybody else would press that. So I was thinking, if I'm praying God to get me education, but I can get education without God, I mean, why do I go to church? Because I was pretty good at school. Doesn't really, yeah, wasting so much time here. And what I hear at home is school, 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 school. That's why we are praying God. That's why we are doing everything. So there's a bit of confusion. I see that in the United States of America, the same way there's a lot of religion, but it is also hiding the gospel from people, the person of Jesus Christ. There's the politics of it, right, that, that it gets all churned up in the, in the media and, and all that, 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 that hides it. Behind all that, there is God, and he's real. He is a person. Jesus Christ is not some force out there. Jesus Christ is a person, and even today he has a body, the Jewish man that walked the face of the earth. And he comes to our meetings. When we gather here, he comes to our meetings. And to the degree that you are open to him, he will talk to you. He has talked to me specific things about myself right here. And there is special grace when we gather together in his name. It is it's different than when I'm alone in my quiet time. I do hear from God. But there's a promise in Matthew 18 that where two or three are gathered in his name, he is there. Jesus comes here. But you have to be accepting it and, 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 seek and, and tuned to it as it were. And he will speak to you directly wherever you are in life. And he knows it. And he loves you. So it is not religion. If you have not accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, because you're tired of healing, pray this prayer, da 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 da, and then it doesn't seem to work, try it for, for, for real, a relationship with a God who would shed his life, his blood for you. If you haven't done that, am I running late? No, hopefully not. If you haven't done that yet, I'm, I'm calling for salvation, if that's supposed to, to add this thing. If you haven't done that, please, I'm asking you to please come forward and do it. And it is not my prayer that will save you. It is not even the prayer really that saves you. It is because you have determined in your heart that you're going to believe this God. You're going to try a relationship with this God. And you're going to walk with him. He says, repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. You're going to turn around and try and do life his way. And it is real. There are people right now in Pakistan who are willing to die for that Jesus. Yeah. You have heard about the young girl, Ushia Bibi. Yeah. They are hunting her like an animal. Because her and her family will not let go of Jesus. Because having lived under Islam, they know the difference. When you live in darkness, you know what light, how precious light is. Part of the problem we have here is this nation has a lot of light. If you go to places where there is darkness, then you realize how precious Jesus Christ is. Right. 
You saw the guys that they chopped, you know, on YouTube. They cut their throats with a knife. All they had to do was reject Jesus. Why would they stay there if it's a fake religious thing? They, they stayed there because they have lived under a heavy yoke of religion. They know the difference. That the light of Jesus Christ is real. But unfortunately, when there's a lot of light in the land, it doesn't seem as bright. The freedoms, the opportunities, it's a great place. And that can become a problem because then you don't see the light of Jesus Christ. But Jesus is real. And it's not going to always be this bright. And I'm not cursing the U.S. I love the U.S. But it is the gospel. Darkness will cover the earth. And a deep darkness. But you don't want to wait until then. So come forward if you want to receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. If you want to come back home to Jesus Christ. Come to this altar today. That's one call. The other call is you have some place you need the grace of God to die. There's a thing, maybe it's the spouse thing that I'm talking about, or some other thing, in fact, that God has not done for you. You have done all you thought you need to do, but it has not come through. And you're a little angst at God, and it's keeping you away from God. Come here and ask God for the grace to die to it. And believe God that he has something for you, that he has a life for you. Don't let that angst pull you away. The Bible talks about the root of bitterness that pollutes everything. If you let a root that you pollute everything you do, you will not know when you have crossed the bloodline and stepped out of the Garden of Eden. You started off a believer, but this thing, angst, you have allowed to develop in you, could walk you right across out of the garden. So if you have such a thing, welcome to the altar. You're not coming to David. You're coming to Jesus. And Jesus will meet you. And Jesus is ready to provide the grace. Because he's a good God. Amen? Amen. Amen. I preached up a storm. Spit at Bill and all that. <laughs> Thank you, Jesus. Anybody? Nobody. Thank you, Lord. Father, in the name of Jesus, I thank you, Lord, that you're a good God. Lord, if I have said stuff and confused people, Lord, I pray, Lord, you unconfuse them and bring clarity, Lord. Lord, if I have painted you as mean and what have you, I pray, Lord, you'd correct that, Lord, because I know you are loving God. And Father, I pray for every person who's living with a situation, Lord, that they don't even tell people because it's just, it's just too difficult, Lord, that you'd give the grace, Lord, but you'd also give relief, Lord. You'd give relief to those difficult positions, Lord. You'd heal marriages, Lord. You'd bring that husband back who is being difficult, Lord, and cause him to turn around and take his place as, 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 as the lover of his family, Lord, and lay down his life for his, for his wife and children, Lord. Father God, I pray for that teenager that has become a thorn in the flesh for the family, Lord, because he has listened to the lies in the schools and on TV and he's out to rebel to prove a point, God. That like the, 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 the prodigal son, he would come to his senses. You'd knock him down and he would come home and be the blessing and the gift that you called him to be. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. 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 Let's you. all stand. Glory to God. Yeah, give the Lord a hand. You know, before David, before David leaves, as, as you were sharing, this is a powerful word tonight. It's a powerful word. 
And I know the Lord was speaking to me on some of the things that David was sharing. Just bow your heads with me just for a moment. How many of you know that there is a line that you have crossed? And it isn't a good line. And it's time to get back on the right side. And you know it. And God showed that to you tonight. Can I see your hands? Don't be ashamed. Yeah, go ahead and lift them up. Yeah. David, I want you to pray for these people that have their hands lifted. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Father, in the name of Jesus, I thank you, Lord, for grace. I thank you, Father God, for the grace that you're going to release to my sister, Lord. And Lord, I pray that even with the grace, Lord, there would be a breakthrough, Lord. Father, I pray that even tonight there would be a, a divine visitation, Lord. Something that would show her that you're real, that you care, that you know where she is, that it is not you that have done this to her, Lord. I rebuke the lies of the evil one of my dear sister, Lord. I pray, Lord, you'd give her a big old hug, Lord, as she would know she's your girl. She's special. She's beautiful. You love her. You have a good plan. Thank you, Jesus. He has a good plan. You're special. One of special kids. Anybody else? Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Father God, I thank you, Lord, for my dear sister, Lord, the worship vehicle that you have made her to be, Lord. Lord, I thank you that she worships you, Lord, a sacrifice of praise from a place of pressure, Lord. And I pray, Father God, that out of that will come gold, diamond, special diamond that you have designed her to be, Lord, that a special glory of God will shine through her, Lord. And I thank you, Lord, that she does battle, Lord. Her children are safe, Lord. I plead your blood over each one of her children, Lord. I plead your blood of our husband, Lord, in the mighty name of Jesus, Lord. I plead your blood of every place, Lord, where she's at attack, Lord, in the mighty name of Jesus, Lord. I ask, Lord, that you'd send warring angels, Lord, to guard her house, to guard her heart, to guard her children, to guard her future. I call this marriage whole. I rebuke every design of the evil one to ruin this family in Jesus' mighty name. I thank you, Lord, that you fulfill your destiny, Lord. I thank you, Heavenly Father, Lord, that what the enemy means for evil, you will use it for good and for the salvation of many lives, Lord. I declare her a Joseph, that, Lord, she will be the one that will be of the salvation of the very people, of the very things that are trying to destroy her, Lord. That out of her, Lord, you will save souls. You will rescue other women, Lord, out of her, Father, in the name of Jesus. And, Lord, I believe you for strength, supernatural strength to hold on supernatural strength to hold on father god supernatural strength like you gave esther in the, in the in the house of the king lord she held on and the whole nation was saved lord supernatural strength lord supernatural outpouring of the love of god and yes lord some people to help bring some people to help lord bring some people lord, to help father god bring godly people around her lord i declare this family victorious in Jesus' mighty name. In Jesus' mighty name. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Anybody around here? No? 
Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, Lord, that the death will be easy, Lord. I thank you, Lord, that the death will be easy, Lord. I thank you, Lord, that she's already dead, really, God. She's been through hell and high waters, God. And I thank you, Lord, that you're taking this sacrifice, Lord, and you're bringing the fire of the Holy Spirit, Lord, into this sacrifice, God. And gold is shining. You're rescuing Ryan, Lord. You're, you're, you're rescuing, you're, you're canceling every evil assignment of the evil one, God. I seal every door that the evil one has used to come to this home, God. I thank you, Lord, that it is your righteousness, not her righteousness. I cancel every condemnation. She is righteous. She is righteous. She is righteous. As if she has never sinned. All her sins and bad choices are forgiven. And she's cleansed from all unrighteousness. She's beautiful. She is your virgin lady, Lord. She is beautiful inside and out, Lord. And you, she is going to fulfill her destiny, Lord. You're going to use her hands to heal the sick, to heal the marriages, Lord. In Jesus' mighty name. In Jesus' mighty name. Let's stretch your hands out here toward David. We don't have Perpetua here tonight, but... Uh, I believe they are a ministry gift. And I know David is an intercessor, but I believe God has such big, powerful plans for this couple. Father, we thank you for David and Perpetua. Lord, we thank you for your call upon their lives. Thank you for the ministry gift that they are. Thank you for the vision that you have placed within their hearts. Thank you, Lord, for the unity that is in their marriage their unity to follow you and to serve you and that every door that will be opening for them for their ministry we thank you for this trip back to kenya thank you that it is a god-ordained trip yes it is christmas yes it is family but there's more to it than that that in the name of jesus truly the steps of a righteous man are ordered of the lord and this is a trip ordered of you lord i believe that in my spirit in Jesus name I thank you for the faithfulness of both of them but I thank you so much for David's faithfulness the faithfulness to serve you and to touch people and to love people and we give you the praise the honor and the glory in Jesus precious name and everybody said now let's give the Lord a hand and let's say it did it you have a word honey I'm I was praying and asking God about 2019 and um, what I heard was it wasn't a rhyme it was just speak the truth in love what David did tonight his heart is love and out his mouth came truth and I pray for you David that you will be bold that you will not be fearful or back down because God has God has killed those things that the devil would try to use to, to say to you, uh, you shouldn't be so bold in what you speak. Because God says that the truth in love delivers people from darkness. It doesn't condemn, it doesn't judge. That's, that's the actions of people that do that. What you speak is a message of love. It's not hell, fire, and damnation. It's love. It's the truth, though, spoken in love. 
And I thank you for this word tonight. I thank you for uh, what came out of your heart. I thank you, Lord, that this will be a year where we all die to self, like he said, and begin to speak the truth. But we learn how to do it in love because there's power. It doesn't mean we change the truth, but it changes the way we say it. And I thank you that that heart is in David. And I plead the blood of Jesus over you, David, as you go home. I thank you, Father, that where there's been darkness and where before it may not have been received what you've said, it will be received in this trip because it's time. It's the season for the release of the captives. In Jesus' name. Name. Amen. Well, now let's give the Lord a hand. Come on down and give David a hug. He's going to be heading for Kenya.